Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we discuss the late pick five at Aqueduct this Saturday, December 4th. This is show number 150, December 3rd, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how do you feel about the card today? Uh, it's pretty good. You know, we had a nice freshening. I, I think we had to come clean about why we didn't um, uh, have a pod last week. You were hit by the um, stewards for abuse of the mic a few weeks, abu- abuse of the mute button a few weeks ago. And you chose to take your suspension over the holidays like most jockeys would do. So um, we're back fresh and ready to go here with a week off. Yes, although, I mean, it was, you know, they were some pretty good stakes that I missed out on. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you didn't miss out on the turkey. I did not miss out on the turkey. The turkey was fine. Support the Sport of Kings podcast by contributing to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash sportofkings and donate as little as $3 per month. That's patreon.com slash sport of kings. Thank you for your support. And we have a special returning guest. He was an editor on Public Handicapper for at least 10 years. He's qualified for the NAC two times. He's Henry Wessel. Henry, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's always a fun time. All right. Well, Henry, you've been here long enough that we've... uh, We've, we've asked you about your handicapping methodology enough that I think we don't need to ask any of those questions this time. I think we can just go right into the pick five at Aqueduct. It starts with the sixth race. It is one of your specialties, a maiden special weight. Six furlongs on the outer turf, purse of 80000 for two-year-olds. Who do you like here? All right, so this is... a. Uh... Interesting race to kick off the pick five. Um, looking at uh, those that have run, uh, the four, Pepito, five, Carpe's Dream, six, Urban Forest, then Kobe's Legacy, the 10, all come out of the same race, which was won by a uh, four to five favorite who kind of led Gate to Wire in that effort back on the uh, 13th of November. So uh, having watched that race a couple times, I can't say I really, uh, none of those runners really stand out. Um, I thought the six urban forest actually probably ran the best as he made up ground closing from near the back to get third. Um, he was scheduled to have a rider change to Joel Rosario Rosario, of course, fractured his rib yesterday, so he's not riding. So, um, they haven't announced a replacement yet. Uh, they have for some of the stakes race, which, um, we'll get to later, but, uh, I don't know who's riding them here. Um, so I kind of gravitated towards one of the first timers just because the ones that have ran, haven't really run all that great. So. Um, the two horse fiery heart, uh, for Todd Pletcher is a high, uh, ticket purchase price. Um, he's got a couple, uh, decent gate works, one of 49 and one, 
uh, makes his first start with Luis Saez riding. Uh, looks like he's three to one morning line, so he's not a huge price. But uh, just um, compared to what's run, he's kind of where I would lean in this race. The other first timer, Chuck Moon, has a 48 and four gate work rate uh, back on the 17th of November, um, which seems a little bit. Uh, I usually like the gate works to be a little bit further back from where they're first starting. Um, so he he's eight to one. Um, depending on the board, if he were to take some action, he might be worth an include. Um, so my top pick would be Fiery Heart, and then I'd probably go with the uh, Urban Forest is one that has run before as an include, and maybe the three Chuckamoon, depending on uh, kind of what action he's taken on the board uh, before the start of the pick five here. Okay, Fiery Heart. Yeah, the three-to-one morning line does seem a little low, um, but David Aragona, he's pretty good, so uh, we have to kind of trust that. Chris, what did you think? Well, first, I'm I'm shocked that Henry picked a first time starter in here. <laughs> Just kidding, Henry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Fiery Heart with the connections, I kind of see that um, three to one. Uh, but you know, I like to go for the ones that have had a race that um, kind of muddles up their form, so you get a better price second out. Um, first of all, if the 11 blame BB draws in. That would be my play. That horse was really impressive. Its debut, it kind of got off to a slow start and then it just blasted off and got up to the leader and the leader kind of spurred away on the turn and it, it sort of chased after that. But the burst of speed that it showed um, in its uh, debut and now it gets blinkers on, you know, I think it might just take off if it breaks alertly, it might just blow the field away if it draws in. So the 11 blame BB would be my play if it draws in. But assuming that it doesn't make it into the race, the horse I like is the eight horse. You can't whip it. And um, this horse had one start. Um, and it was on the dirt and it was a while back. And now it's been laid up since then and they bring it back they had it entered on the dirt in a maiden claimer last week and they scratched out of it to run here on the turf uh it has some turf breeding it's been gelded since that last race and has a really nice workout since that last race so to me i'm treating this as kind of like a first time starter just tossing that race out on the dirt back early on and um it is cross-entered to run, was cross-entered to run yesterday, and I forgot to check to see if it ran or not. I probably should have done that before the show. I will while Scott talks. But if that horse is in the race, um, it's the kind that could, you know, light up the toad at a really big price. So I'm interested in that one as uh, probably my preference. I'm assuming it's in the race and if it's not, if they scratch that one because it ran yesterday, which I need to check, um, I really like you know the eleven blame BB. Yeah, in a way, if you can't whip it scratches, that's a good thing because blame BB is also my pick. Uh, seemed to have a misstep after the start of his last. I, I I don't know if I would count it as I, I I'm not sure if I call it a misstep, but it looked like he you know sort of took a. a a bad step 
rushed up to engage the leader, finished evenly as the blinkers. And he, you know, he got a good figure for that race. Uh, the trainer is, has never run at aqueduct, but you know, that would probably only help his price. So I'm kind of counting on one of those horses to scratch so that blame BB gets in there. But if he does not get in there, then I'm actually kind of stuck with urban forest. Not really any value as a favorite, but I also don't think he'll be much lower than five to two. If, if at all, he, um, he weaved around after the start of his last. He finished well, and he galloped out best. And he just he, he just makes a lot of sense. I will add one long shot that I think has a shot, and that is R. Doc. Ran pretty fast first time turf sprinting, but it's hidden because he was three wide. Then he's run four routes since then. Was gelded before the last two races. And now he's working better than ever, and he's co- going back to a turf sprint. So um, I would include him if I'm playing the pick five. Uh, I, I also like all the horses that you guys mentioned. So it's it's a it's a tough race. It, if uh, if I play the pick five, this is the race I'll probably go deep in. Jump in, Henry, if you have anything else. Um, no, I mean I I don't have anything to disagree with you on Blaine BB. I thought you know of the ones that are on the AE list. He was certainly the most attractive. It'll be interesting to see if he gets in and if there's a number of scratches, um, you know, that could certainly change the complexion of the race. My, my only thing is on the ones that have run a couple times, um, like the four, the five, I think those have kind of shown their best. And I don't, I think a first timer with any talent could jump up and beat those two. So um, certainly uh, give credence to the second time out factor. Um, so he certainly, if he gets in, as a AE would be one to uh, certainly seriously consider just some of the other ones. Um, once they've run a few times and there's a couple first timers that have some decent works, I usually give uh, those first timers a chance just because the ones that have run, haven't really run on the f- numbers. I use uh, fast, you know, they haven't run faster than par for the race. So if they haven't run faster than par already, I think it's a good time for a first timer. Or in this case, you know, if, if you're treating that 11 as a first timer because of the first start, he, he kind of falls in that category too. Yeah, I I checked and you can't whip it. Didn't draw into that race, so he's you know so he he may any of them may scratch, but he won't scratch for that reason anyway. Um, and on the AEs, the twelve Mutley and the thirteen straight time, they're kind of similar horses. They've had one start, um, you know, or you know, or at least. They they haven't ever ran on the turf, put it that way. One of them's only had one start. And so, you know, first time turf, Mutley has some speed. Um, he ships in um, from parks probably to run on the turf. It's really well bred for the turf, Mutley is. So he's one that could jump way up, you know, if he draws in. Straight times one, um, uh, it's, you know, it's had a start that was an off the turf race. It's making its second start now. It gets on the turf this time, assuming they're on, which I think they will be given the weather forecast. Trombetta's really good from first to second start. Um, so, you know, any of those AEs, if they draw in, um, I think are dangerous and could be a price. Um, you know, they're all double-digit morning line. So I'd watch for scratches and, and make sure you account for that. 
Um, but of the ones drawn in the race, besides you can't whip it, probably the horse I like uh, that also has a start. It came out of that one race Henry mentioned was Kobe's Legacy. He um he broke really well, and the rider just grabbed him for some reason on the backside, and he, and he dropped back, got shuffled back some. He didn't do a whole lot of running after that, but. You know, the way they grabbed him and the, he had a really nice workout heading into that race and the barn tends to do better second out. I'm just thinking maybe that was a prep and that he could really improve off of that one as well. So of the horses that are, you know, currently drawn into the race, I like eight, you can't whip it and 10 Kobe's legacy. But all three of the AEs that aren't main track onlys, I think are live if they were to draw in and. You know, maybe that uh, of the th- you know, 11, 12, and 13, Flame, um, BB, 12, Muttley, and 13 straight time. All right. And since we haven't mentioned every single horse in the race, Chuck a Moon, uh, which, which Henry did mention, not only has that 48 4 gate work, but first time turf sprinting. Trainer Mark Hennig is one for 17, but the one was a 64 to one. That happened in June. And uh, another first time starter, St. James, has a 100, a one minute, two tenths gate work, a two fifths gate work. And first time turf sprinting, the trainer Leah Giramati is one for seven. And that one was 28 to one. And I think that was also this year. So, you can, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of different plays, a lot of different angles in this race. Um, that's where anything can happen. Yeah. And check a moon. Hennig's one for five with two year olds, first time starter turf sprint. So I always <clears throat> like to filter out for the two year old races. Um, I think it really makes a difference, especially with like first time starters and stuff. So that one's probably live. Yeah. I think this is the one race in the sequence where you could get a big price. So, this would be the one you'd want to spread and try to, you know, hope they bet the heck out of that um, Pletcher first timer and the horse has trouble or doesn't fire. And like an urban forest will be the other one will take a lot of money. You know, those two, you know, hopefully if you could beat one of those two, you might catch a big price in here. And there's a lot of, you know, horses with, with um, that, that could jump way up. So this is the kind of race that could happen. And I don't think there's a lot of other opportunities in the pick five. So this is where you kind of hope you probably do want to spread some and hope you can get a price. And what's good about having this made in special weight as the first leg of the pick five, you'll get some visibility into how they're betting this race um, before you have to get all your wagers in, which is nice rather than sticking it at the end of the pick five like they often do at Naira. So I appreciate that they put this one in on the front end of the pick five. Yeah, if our doc opens at 57 to 1, um, I probably won't include the horse. But uh, but if he opens at 10 to 1, maybe I will. Let's go to the seventh race. It's the Gopher Wand Handicap, a grade three mile on the dirt, purse of 250000 for Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up. Chris, why don't you get us started? Yeah, in this race, um, I like the uh, seven-horse sharp star quite a bit in here. Uh, this horse has a really good pattern, and it's the kind of horse I like to play. So 
if you look at the form, the horse's best races have been later in the year at Aqueduct, and they uh, freshened it up, and they gave it like a sprint prep, and then they put it into a route and immediately responded with a really good race, and now it goes third off the layoff, and you know at the track where it does its best running in a race where um, you know it, I think it kind of stands out. Um, you know, you got a good, the best, fastest horse looks like prime for its best race of his life. And, um, you know, as a good rider, good trainer, and it's not the favorite. In fact, there's an eight to five favor and it's seven to two on the morning line. So if David Oregon got this right, you're getting quite a bit of value. I think on sharp starts, the kind of horse you could single in the pick five, I think, and pick up quite a bit of value if you, if you can get through that leg. Sharpstar does have one really fast race on fast dirt, um, but notably, their t- her two fastest races were in the slop. Henry, what did you think? Um, I, you know, I looked at Sharpstar. She obviously loves Aqueduct, six for six in the money there, um, also three for four at the distance. So she's certainly uh, rounding back into form. Uh, she had a couple four races earlier in the spring, but now she seems to be back on track. So certainly um, at seven to two, she's worth a look. Um, I was a bit attracted to Bella Vita shipping in from California. Now Rosario's not riding. So I saw that uh, replacement rider is John Velasquez on her tomorrow. So she's stretching out from seven furlongs has never been a mile. Um, won her last race pretty easy at less than even money. You know, she's 10 for 13 in the money. So um, if she's anywhere near five to one, I think she's um, provides some value in there. The you know, Lady Rocket's going to be the favorite, probably deserving so, but I, I don't know that she's done anything all that special um, to be a standout in here. So I'd probably lean to Bella Vita. You know, Lady Rocket won one division of the Pumpkin Pie on Halloween, but Truth Hurts won the other division. Um, I think Truth Hurts at five to two seems uh, a bit low. So I five to one. You know, Oh, it's five to one. Oh, okay, I, I have it written down wrong here then. So, um, but yeah, so I, I'd probably go with Bella Vita as my top pick, and then um, certainly Sharp Star would be a backup. Yeah, I found this to be the toughest race on the card. I decided I'd go against Sharp Star just because uh, I watched her last race, and boy, did she get a perfect trip, and she just seemed to relish that slop, and then like just completely gave it up on the gallop out. Now, I think that was uh, Jose Ortiz, who doesn't always, you know, gallop his horses out. So that might not be a problem. Um, but if I'm if I'm going to be forced to pick a winner, which I am, <laughs> I'm, I actually kind of like Bella Vita as well. She's just getting good, hasn't run too fast. Best race was three races ago and is circling back to that now. Looks like she should be able to get a pretty perfect trip from the three hole. Um, you know, five to one, maybe the horse goes off a little lower than that because it's been odds on in like its last three races. Uh, the question I have is Miss Marissa because her last was just so bad to be believed. And I, I watched the race. The, the only thing I could see is that she was on the inside and her head was cocked a little bit the entire race. And it just seemed like, it was just a clunker that was just too bad to be believed. So I'm inclined to include Miss Marissa as well, and I think she might be higher than four to one. 
Yeah, just a general comment and these one turn mile races, which I like, and same with seven furlong, I like because you get a chance to attract some horses that are cutting back in distance and others that might be sprinters stretching out. I always lean to the route horses cutting back or at least running that have been running the, the distance versus sprinters stretching out. Um, just typically those sprinters stretching out are up against it when they're, they're going against horses that have been going longer on these one turn miles, especially if it looks like there'll be a pretty good pace. And I would think with Miss Marissa and Lady Rocket, it's going to be a pretty sharp pace. So I think it'll be a testing one mile, which again, I think kind of favors the horses that have been routing like, well, Sharp Star, but also even Miss Marissa. She did run a clunker, but she's done that a few times and she seems to always bounce back with a pretty good race afterwards. So I don't exactly know what's going on with that horse, but um, she definitely runs some bad races, but it doesn't seem to keep her from coming back and running well. Um, and it seems like they'll have to go from the rail. Um, but you know, I to me, this race sets up pretty well for a horse to close. And that would be, for me, it would be Sharp Star. I always kind of like those West Coast horses shipping out, but more so when they're trained by Fab Bob Baffert, uh, who's, who's persona non grata right now in New York, although I think legally he can run in New York still. Any other thoughts on this one, Henry? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. I, I mean, it, it, it's a tough race, and you're banking on Bella Vita shipping well and going out to the distance, but I mean, I think, you kind of got to watch the board a little bit and see where things are, but it, it's a pretty competitive race. I mean, I do have some interest in so darn hot, uh, circling back to a big number. Um, any thoughts on that one? Well, I would like that one better than the horses you guys like, just because it is a router. Um, and, you know, I think it'll be finishing. And so I, you know, to me, playing sharp star over so darn hard is probably an exacta that I'll have. Um, and, and just hoping that those sprinters stretching out um, can't get the distance um, given a sharp pace and that Miss Marissa, you know, with a fast pace, you know, she's the one I'm probably the most worried about of those. But, you know, to me, so darn hard could clunk up for a second or, you know, third for sure. Okay, we'll move to the eighth. It's the Remsen Stakes, a grade two mile and an eighth on dirt, purse of 250000 for two-year-olds. Henry, what are you thinking? All right, in this race, um, which in the past few years, the Remsen has kind of been the, um, not exactly the best race going forward, but we don't need to worry about that today. We just need to pick the winner today, but um it, it, it used to be a pretty key race on the Derby, and recently it, a lot of the runners have come out and haven't performed too well. But uh, that's a different topic, I guess. So I um I landed on the two. Um, who who? That's me. Who um, is making its first start in Open Company after four New York bred races? Um, I watched the last race a couple times, and the horse was kind of in the middle, in between horses. Didn't look like it was in the most comfortable position. Um, still ran on, finished third by two lengths. Um, didn't seem to mind the mile distance, um, gets an extra mile or an extra eighth of a mile here, 
has a decent uh, couple work since then. I think this one can get a better trip this time. And um, if there's a decent amount of speed early, I think this horse can come from off the pace and uh, run them down late. Um, you know, it's coming out of the same race with the one Modonegal who really kind of grinded out. Or no, I, I'm sorry. I actually Modonegal and from another mother come out of the same race where uh, Modonegal kind of grinded out a win. Didn't look like it was ever going to win at the top of the stretch, but just kind of kept coming and coming and finally uh, grinded out a win. So, um, you know, look like it took a lot of effort for that horse to get there. It might just be kind of that type of horse. Pleasure seems to um, sometimes have those kind of grinders that just kind of get better as the distance go on and just keep going. So Modonegal certainly has a shot. I thought from another mother kind of gave it up late. And if he couldn't uh, last last time, I don't think he's going to last this time. So, um, I'm banking on the two uh, to come from a little bit off the pace and run them down late at a decent price, six to one morning line. Um, so that's my pick in here. Woohoo, that's me. Uh, improved every race. Last one was on the slop. Chris, what did you think? Yeah, I kind of like uh, what Henry said. To me, woohoo, that's me is kind of like so darn hot. I don't think it's going to win, but I think it will be finishing. And given they're going a mile and eighth and it's two year old two year olds, that's probably not a bad horse to use underneath for sure. Um Mo Donegal, I kinda also agree with what Henry said. If you watch the horse kind of looks like a grinder type, which again, those horses tend to get better as the distances stretch out. They don't have that explosive kick, but they just keep grinding. And so I think the mile and eighth will fit that horse really well. It draws the rail with IRAD. You know, Pletcher's good at, you know, getting horses stretched out. You know, this horse already gone to, you know, a mile or at least a route. Um, and, you know, I, so I think it's probably the most likely winner, Mo Donegal. But if you watch Zand and the one race that horse had, do you know who's riding that horse, Henry? You seem to have. They have not. On a, that's the one. Um, that's the one mount they have not announced a replacement yet for. Um, that horse. You know, if you like a horse that overcomes some adversity in its debut, this horse sort of broke slow and then kind of rushed up and got positioned in behind the front runners. And it was taking some major kickback. You could see it was shying away like on every stride. It was kind of turning its head. It did not like being down on the rail, eating that kickback all around the turn. It got trapped, stayed trapped behind horses in mid-stretch, finally got out and then kind of, you know, really started to roll once it, it got into the clear and out of the kickback and it galloped out really well. So, you know, to me, that was a pretty impressive race. That that was from a, a the comfort level of the race. That was probably very low end of things. So for a horse to respond the way it did as a two-year-old, you know, that to me is pretty impressive. You're not getting any big price. Um, it hasn't been the distance. It's going from a sprint to a mile and a, so there's a lot of big question marks. But it's been training really well since then. You know, it just showed a lot of, of a, to me, it showed me a lot. It's the kind of horse that might really be a good one down the road, keep an eye on, I think. Um, so to me, that's the main, the main threat to Mo Donegal. So I'm kind of chalky in here. I'm probably with the one and the seven. This is a race in the pick five. I'd just be trying to get through and not trying to get any value out of it. Um, and those are probably the two I would use. 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to agree with you on Zandon at least. I mean, Mo, Mo Donegal certainly has a shot. Um but I watched, you know, normally I'm not going to pick a horse that's going 6 furlongs to a mile and an eighth second out. But then I had a trip note that about Zandon um, not only making a huge move, but also just romping on the gallop out. Then I saw the comment about hit the gate. So I watched that race. I watched the beginning of that race and he hit the gate pretty hard. I mean, it was pretty substantial and he still recovered enough to make that huge move and romp on the gallop out. I love horses that overcome trouble like that. And he did that at six furlongs. So even if he has trouble, you know, he's got he can have a mile and an eighth to recover. Chad hits at a 30% rate going second start, sprinter out. Um, and that includes graded stakes. That includes with two-year-olds. If you, you narrow it down to two-year-olds graded stakes, it's like four for 13. I would single here just because, uh, to me, that horse is a major talent. And, uh like that's sort of my way of getting value is by singling here and excluding Mo Donegal, who certainly has a shot, but um, you know there's no value in sort of having both those horses unless you have value in in other legs, which Chris might. Um, but for me, I would single Zandon. Yeah, that's a horse where I kind of like to, you know, Zandon loses in here because, you know, it's just too much to go from six furlongs to a mile and eighth. Gets a little tired at the end or has some more trouble. This is the kind of horse I'd be looking at to play in a derby future because it's the kind that will have sort of buried, really good buried form. Now, if it wins this race impressively, like Henry said, the Remsen hasn't had a good track record. I, I disagree that the going forward part in the derby, this hasn't got a good track record, but there's a lot of horses that went on to be good horses. That oh yeah, no, I I I I just meant as, as a Derby predictor, not as an indictment yeah. of all the horses right. before. I I just meant from you know the Derby trail and the Derby itself, it hasn't had a great uh, record of late. Yeah, but some of those horses that didn't necessarily run well in the Derby, but did come go on to run, you know, be really good horses. So right, yeah. Um. Anyway, Zandon's an interesting one that um, depending on what happens in here might be the kind of horse you take a shot with a little future bet on the Derby. Cause it did show me a lot in that debut, just like Scott said, um, it was pretty impressive the way it, it managed some adversity. And, it's, and got, it's still got a fast time too. The race was fast. Yeah. And it's got um, some precocious breeding, uh, you know, uh, the, the sire upstart was fast as a two year old and, the broodmare sire was Creative Cause, who was also pretty fast as a two-year-old and a young three-year-old. So if the horse is ever going to be fast, it's going to be now. We'll move to the ninth race. It's the Demoiselle, a grade two mile, another mile and eighth on dirt, purse of 250000 for two-year-old fillies. And Chris, I think it's your turn this time. Uh, is it my turn? Okay. Um, I, uh, this is the race I probably like the least. Um, and I'm probably just going to go with the chalk in here, the five horse nest. It's well-bred. It's a full to idle. It's a pretty nice horse. It's Pletcher Irad again. Um, it's fast. Uh, 
I think the distance shouldn't be a problem for it. So, you know, to me, it's a legitimate favorite. There's some other horses in here as well that, or at least one other, I think, is dangerous. But, um, you know, I to me, I don't see any value in here. So I'd probably just go with the favorite, Nest. Nest uh, almost got up in the last race, still galloped out uh, best at the end. Henry, what did you think? All right, I'm not as high on Nest. I thought she was kind of under a drive from pretty far out and just kind of grinded and grinded and grinded. So I don't know if she's got a huge move in her, but, you know, I don't know how much she's facing in here as well. But um, I, my topic in here was Venti Valentine. I really liked her last race. Um, she kind of came up the rail, had a pretty nice trip, so that may have benefited. But um, at five to one here, she's two for two. Uh, Velasquez rides. I think um, she could get another good trip in here. Um, so she was my top pick. I will note that Tap the Faith, um, Castellano is going to ride for Rosario. And uh, Tap the Faith beat a, uh, I think it was a one to five favorite last time out, Amo Ray, who um, actually just won the second race at Aqueduct a few minutes ago by a couple of wanks. So um, not that she, she, I think was nominated to this race, but they elected to run her in a maiden race today instead. Um, so she's probably a cut below these horses, but, um, if you're looking for some, uh, more evidence to back up tap the face last effort, that kind of helps a little bit. She kind of had a perfect, um, ride up the rail. Um, uh, you know, would have been nice to have Rosario back on her, but, um, I think she may be over bet as well. So, um, my top pick was Venti Valentine. Um, I also thought that Magic Circle was a bit of a toss. She kind of had a nice trip behind Jerry Mander last and just kind of ran second the whole way around. So uh, it was kind of a merry-go-round race, that last one. So um, not sold on her. Um, reluctantly, I guess I would include Ness, but Venti Valentine would be my top pick. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Chris here on Nest. Stellar breeding. The, the the one thing that you didn't mention, Chris, is that she really lost all chance at the start in her last race when she broke in and slammed into the inside horses. And I, I think that's mentioned in the comments, broke in start. But it's actually much worse than just broke in because she, she bumped hard into the horses on her inside. So considering that and that she had a wide trip the whole way, she also uh, is a bold racing flow upgrade because she was against the speed flow in both her races one of which she won and the other one she didn't win but she almost got there despite having that trouble so uh so that's another single for me if if i play the pick five and uh now that i have two singles i'll probably play the pick five yeah i mean this is one where um I think the main reason you, at least I differ from Henry in in the uh, his picks is, you know, if you use speed figures at all, the the five and seven that race they came out of is just much much faster than the the other horses in the race. So there is a chance these are lightly raced horses that they could um, you know jump up, but you know a horse like well, Venti Valentine is going to have to make a big forward move off of you know from a figure standpoint to compete with those other two 
And, you know, to me, unless you're getting a really good price, I, I'm just inclined not to, to go in that direction. Tap of Faith is a little more interesting because it's just had that one race and it's a million dollar, you know, purchase. So it clearly has talent and, uh, you know, and, it, and good connections and stuff. So maybe Tap of Faith is the one that could jump up, but that seems like the only one that could, that's, got much of a chance to actually run a race fast enough to compete with the five and the seven in here, I think. Okay, we'll go to the marquee race of the day. It's the Cigar Mile Handicap, grade one, mile on the dirt, purse of 750000 for three-year-olds and up, won by True Timber last year. Henry, what did you think? All right, this is... Uh... A tough race, I have to say, after looking at it a while. Um, I will say that uh, I saw that Irad Ortiz is going to ride Olympia the seven, so he's on that horse. Um, I thought American Revolution, being a three-year-old in here, ran a huge race in the slop last time, got a huge number. Um, I'm not sure exactly what he beat in his last, so I think he's going to be um, definitely over bet. Can certainly win, but he's four for four versus New York Breads, 0 for two versus um, anybody else. So, um, you know, I think he'll take obviously a lot of money, um, but I don't know that I uh, think he's that much better than anybody else in here. Also, thought following C is going to attract attention after his third place finish in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. He's stretching out to a mile. Uh, I don't know that I'm exactly his biggest fan either. He's okay, but, you know, I, I don't know what makes him uh, a standout in here either. So um, I went to the outside to pipeline as a long shot in here, kind of a crazy long shot. Thought his race at Keeneland last. He was kind of uh, – didn't have the greatest of trips. He was kind of way parked outside. He kind of made an early – had to make an early move, um, and then he got run down at the end and lost by a neck. But uh, this was only his uh, – Six starts, he draws outside. He can kind of uh, decide where he wants to go. Uh, 15 to 1 for Chad Brown in a grade one. You don't often get that. So if you're looking for a price, I thought he was the one to take. Um, Independence Hall is another one that will probably take money. He is uh, two for two at the distance. Um, he had a big effort at Keelan last time out. Um, he's two for two at Aqueduct. He hasn't been at Aqueduct in a while, but he has uh, two wins there. So um, I thought he was going to take some money too, but he might um, he might be on the front end, and if he gets some company, I think he uh, might set up for a long shot in here. So going out on a limb, um, I'm going to take Pipeline as my top pick in here. Pipeline is a racing for a quick-to-zip upgrade, meaning that in his last race, uh, it was a closer flow, but he made an early move, took the lead, and then and then got passed by the other closers. So he, he ran he ran a little too fast, too early into a, um, into a, a closer pace. Uh, it's an interesting way of, of them. Uh, it's an interesting upgrade for them. Um, and like occasionally, occasionally I've emailed them and said like, hey, why was that horse an upgrade? And he was like, quick to zip. So that's, uh, I, I marked that down. Like I said, quick to zip upgrade, and they they did upgrade him. 
Yeah, if you watch that race, I mean, the fractions were 22 flat and 44 and four for the half mile at seven furlongs at Keelan. So they, they were going pretty quick early. And he did make, uh, he was parked outside, so he had to move early. So yeah, it was a premature uh, move into a fast pace. All right, Chris, so where are you landing in this race? Well, I don't like Pipeline in here, but I like him as a horse. And to me, he's the kind of horse you want to play next time. Now, I've said I don't like horses stretching out and certainly ones that make early moves and tire. Um, and now they step up in class. I just don't see how that, and he's not that fast. I just don't see how he can win this race, but I can see how he can win the next race, cutting back and a little bit weaker company. And maybe, um, you know, he runs a real clunker in here or something and he could get a nice price. So I'm going to follow him going forward, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't pick him in here. Uh, I really agree though with most of everything else that, Henry said, American Revolution, I think it's going to get way over bed off of that big race and in the, in the the off track. Uh, he could be really good. This could be his, you know, coming out party race. But uh, to me, he's the kind you almost have to play against as a favorite. Following C again, stretching out. I can't like him too much in here, but he's another one I like going forward. I thought he was on a dead rail in the Breeders' Cup race and still ran well and actually had some trouble in, uh, in as well. So I think his last was a lot better than it looks, but I just don't like him stretching out in here from the rail again. Um, but the, again, he's one I'd follow going forward. I don't like Ginobili at all. I just don't think he's that fast um, and he'll get over bet. Um, so to me, Independence Hall is a standout in here. Um, I've always been a fan. I think he's in career best form now. He's at the peak of his, his um, you know, f at the end of four-year-old year. This is peak time where the horses are most likely to, if they're in good form, to maintain that form. They're fully mature and probably as fast as they're going to ever be. He loves the distance. Uh, if you throw out his mile and quarter races, they kept running him at this year. He's he almost always runs his race. You know, he wasn't good enough to beat Nick's go a couple times this year, but he always chased him and, and finished off the races when he did. And he loves Aqueduct. Um, you know, to me, there's just so many positives. And, you're, you, you know, he's not even the favorite in here, to me, shocking. So uh, I think, you know, he's definitely better than Ginobili and American Revolution and following C. And those horses are all going to be bet about the same. So you're going to get a lot of value if you single independence hall in here. So for me, he's a, if in the pick five, he would be the single for me um, in this race. Yeah. I was, when I looked at this race originally and did not have the morning line, I figured independence hall would be co-favored at five to two. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, I actually, I have an interesting take on this race. Um, remember when Lexitonian won his race at 34 to one, that was in a race where the other fast horses were faster than him, but they were all kind of vulnerable. Some of them were coming off of big efforts. I think that's the case in this race. And that's why I'm going to go with Plainsman. He's won four out of his last six and he had excuses in his last. He essentially stumbled at the start. He ran against a speed flow and he did that all from behind in the slop. I, I, I'm against, I agree with you guys that I'm, I'm against American revolution. And the thing about independence hall, if I play the pick five, I'm going to have some kind of ticket with him in there because like you said, Chris, he may be just 
totally peeking out and he does have his best work ever since his last race. However, every time he's run a number as big as he ran in his last race, he's reacted and it was a slop romp. So, so I, so that's why I think that he's beatable. Uh, although I wouldn't single Plainsman, I would do something with Independence Hall. I would include him somewhere just on, on the uh, on the chance, like you said, that he's he's just like this is going to be his biggest race. It, it could be his biggest race ever. Um, but based on having you know, seen him react to big races before and him running a you know a, a giant race in his last race. That's where I think that there could be some value. And Plainsman, you're going to get at least 10 to 1 on that horse. So it's Brad Cox, and he has a ex- couple excuses in his last race. So, And he's also so, not cutting back from his last race, but he's been going two turns a lot of his races. Yeah, I, um, I, I can see Plainsman as being a possibility, much more value there than in those other horses we've talked about so i wouldn't talk you out of that one i'll be surprised if he beats independence hall but maybe he could you know like you said independence hall they all can run bad races i i i don't think that's going to happen here but even if you um if he doesn't beat independence hall he could run second at a big price too so you know i i kind of get the plainsman to me he he sort of makes sense in here All right. Well, uh, I'll take Henry's silence as uh, an indication that he has nothing else to say on this race. Um, do you guys have any other plays on the card at this point? Not me. Um, I got plays everywhere. So if you want a few, I can give you a few. Um, <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? I had some time, so I looked all over the place. So, um First at Aqueduct in the fifth race, there's a Michael Dickinson horse, Etheric, who's making his second start, um, who was favored in his first start, was a really slow pace at Laurel. He he came in and uh, clunked up for third. I don't know if I've ever, I mean, I, I used the Brisnet PPs, and the pace for that early race was a 35 and a 28, which is really slow. So, you know, he closed and um, Ran second. I'm surprised he's a 10 to one morning line uh, in a mile on the 16th turf race for Maiden. So I thought he was um, worth a look. So that's a long shot at 10 to one. Um, if you want some other ones, I got a long shot at Oakland or there's always a couple in Hong Kong. <laughs> well, uh, we'll take Oakland and uh, maybe, sure. uh, you know, you can, I, you can tweet out Hong Kong. Yeah, that's fine. So at, at Oakland, they, they open today, so I don't have anything today. But tomorrow, um, there's a horse in the eighth race, uh, Bandit Point, who's ridden by uh, Kelsey Har, who's 10 to 1. It's an Arkansas. Well, she, she's a, or the horse is an Arkansas bred. The horse always runs late, um, doesn't always get up, but he's uh, 20 for 36 in the money. Um, looks like there's a decent amount of speed in there. So if that horse um, gets some pace to run at, Certainly a uh, long shot play on the win end, but certainly uh, could fill out the bottom of your exotics. And then there's a uh, maiden race is the finale for Arkansas breads, which are running for an obscene amount of money because um, they got money 
an $84,000 maiden race for Arkansas Breds, which is crazy. But um, there's a, the eight-horse Gar Hole, who's making his second start, was a speed and fade in his first start back in January. He's been gelded as a 47-flag gate work about a week and a half ago for this race. And um, Raylu Gutierrez rides, and it might be lone speed in there, and he's eight to one running line. So that might... Uh, be a nice price in the finale and uh, hopefully would at least uh, give you a thrill on the front end because he looks to be the fastest early in there. And that game board kind of confirms the ninth or the 10th at Oakland. Um, the 10th on Saturday. I just, I just don't have a list of the races, so I didn't know which one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's the 10th on Saturday. It's the eight horse gar hole. I'm not sure what the kind of a weird name, but, um, the horse <laughs> might be fast. <laughs> Maybe he'll run a doesn't matter what the name the wind. is. Perhaps. I don't know. But, you know, they pay winners no matter how bad the name is. So, Yeah, and if, you, um, if you're into the, the celebration of equine chemistry, otherwise known as the claiming crown at Gulfstream Park, um, there's a whole set of claiming crown stakes races at Gulfstream that all are challenging so if you if you want a, a good handicapping puzzle take a look at a few of those make sure you factor the trainers into your uh, handicapping there is one horse that i've picked before on the pod um in a race where he scratched out of uh it's in the uh eighth at Gulfstream. it's a starter stakes going five furlongs on the turf um there's a horse named the connector who i um liked and a previous pod and the horse scratched out of that race, but he is in here. He just got claimed by a pretty good move up trainer and he's 20 to one on the morning line. So in the eighth race at Gulfstream, you're looking for a price. Number four, the connector might be a little bit of a pod angle that you could um, take a shot with in that race. And, and interestingly enough, in that race, there's another horse with a chance at a price and the name of the horse is henry's world so there's your hunch exacta the connector and henry's world uh sport of king's pod hunch play in the eighth race at gulfstream park all right there we go it's henry's world and we're just living in it and hopefully <laughs> the connector will connect us with some yes. with a big price <laughs> There's a horse in Hong Kong running named Carson, so he always got that too. I don't know if he has any chance, but he Wait, always just, runs in Hong Kong. But Carson? He, well, it's spelled with a Z though, so it's C Z A R S O N. But uh, <laughs> okay. I, I I always Zarson. see the horse and think yeah, but he he doesn't win very often. But uh, as long as we're talking names, um, you've got one over there. So okay, all right. And well, here's Scotty. All right. Well, that on that man imitation. <laughs> on that note, I would like to thank our guest, Henry Wessel. Henry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Good luck this weekend. All right. That will conclude show number 150 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck at Aqueduct and wherever else you play. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Idiot.